This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is In the Workplace on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Here are Professor Peter Capelli and Dan O'Mara. Hey, folks, welcome back. I'm Peter Capelli. I'm Dan O'Mara. I'm a professor of management here at the Wharton School. And I'm adjunct faculty at the Wharton School and a shareholder at Ogletree Deacons in Philadelphia. And Dan is back from the spa this week, for those of you yes, who are indeed. keeping track of that. And I must say, the chemical peel did wonders. Yes. Feeling like a million bucks. <laughs> well, that's great. Is that on the SiriusXM budget? Do you just expense that one away? I wish. Yeah, that right. There you go. You just have to hide it someplace. Well, we're living in the world of creating account, creative accounting, as we're learning increasingly from uh, the news from various uh, actors in Washington. Um, so you were traveling around last week. Where'd you go? Uh, I was in Boston on Tuesday and then Phoenix from Wednesday to Saturday. To maximize the temperature difference? Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. 40 degrees difference. Was it really? No yeah. kidding. Mm. Um, where was I? I was in Washington, New York, Boston, bang, 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 uh, boom, three boom, different boom. days in a row to experience the splendor of Amtrak. Did you do the um, show last week? Yes, we did. Nice. Yes. Were you here? It was it was fabulous. I I heard <laughs> in your in your absence, it was fabulous. Uh, we had Greg Shea with us last week, uh, organization psychologist, and uh, Dan is back this week to answer all our legal questions. Today we're going to talk about uh, diversity, uh, first topic, and and how some companies are trying to improve that. Then we're going to talk about aging and what uh, older individuals can do in the workforce and for the economy. After that. We're going to talk with our colleagues at PayScale about gender gaps, a lot of gender stuff uh, this week. And then in the half hour mix someplace in there, Dan and I are going to be amusing about things going on in the news. What are we talking about today? Oh, murder for hire. Murder for hire. Good, good. And And HR topic, standard. We're also going to talk about, (laughs) as a topic you designated, uh, when you're doing favors for people and they aren't doing favors back for you. When and how do you raise it? When, well, in partic- yeah, I think in particular, when do you start asking people for money, right? Oh, okay. Um, which um, probably in your business happens more than mine. Almost nobody asks me for free advice about, um, you know, professor stuff. Yeah. Uh, they just ask us where the stock market is going from, from the Wharton School. And then yeah, you can just... Like you know. And you could just make it up because they're not going to know anyway, exactly right? right? Selling pressures, causing yeah. it to go down and, you know... In the long term, worry. I think it's going to go uh, up. Probably yeah, yeah. up in the long term. <laughs> Pretty good bet. In the meantime, it may bounce around. <laughs> right, it may bounce around. Yeah, it's a good rate, 100% well, of the time. Well, you know, if you listen to the news shows about the stock market, that's pretty much the level of insight that you get, right? And fortunately for people who are prognosticating, almost nobody ever goes back and looks to see whether they were right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you probably know this. The um, Remember Gene Dixon, the famous uh, predictor. predictor, the yeah. famous predictor, futurist predictor, yeah. uh, clairvoyant, depending on who she, you think. She predicted thousands of things accurately, but tens of thousands inaccurately. I think actually She's very few everything. accurately. The big one was sort of that President Kennedy was going to be assassinated. Right? Ooh, but, uh, but the thing about being in that business is that you're way better off being right on something spectacular you could be wrong the rest of the time and nobody yeah. notices, right? Yeah. And that is why, um, among other things, if you're looking at predictions, uh, if you look, for example, at economic forecasts, the average of the forecasts is way more accurate, right? Oh, really? Because so many individual forecasters are going to be outliers because they're just hoping 
they're right. Uh, and they, nobody remembers if you're wrong. So you might as well pick something really extreme. And if something bad happens, you Ooh. know, like a financial meltdown that nobody anticipated, and you happen to be right, they think you're a genius. You can see he called the 2008 meltdown, right? Now, he, he could have called uh-huh. a million other things wrong, um, but nobody notices that, right? So and he predicted one out of uh, eight out of the last one meltdown. That's exactly right. Exactly right. So let's get down to business today. We're going to talk about diversity first, diversity and uh, diversity and inclusion, and what you might do about it. And we're going to be talking with the folks at uh, Pangea Money Transfer a Company in Chicago. And with us is Nishu Thukara. and he is going to tell us what they've been doing. So Nishu, welcome. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Uh, so let me ask you first a little about what Pangea Money Transfer does, because this is a part of the financial world that not everybody's probably really familiar with. How does it work? What do you guys do? Absolutely. So uh, we're a uh, mobile platform uh, helping uh, our customers here in the U.S. Uh, remit money uh, to their friends and family uh, back home to other countries. Okay. So, uh, you know, we're in the money transfer space uh, and helping, you know, improve the uh, experience of uh, what is generally a very difficult process of uh, moving money internationally. Okay, so if I wanted to get money to my relatives in Italy, let's say, uh, otherwise, I could write them a check, I suppose, um, but that's pretty complicated. they got to cash it, exchange rate, all that kind of stuff. So uh, you guys do that in a different way? How does it work, just briefly? Absolutely. So, you know, traditionally, um, you know, people would go to a Western Union or a MoneyGram, uh, stand in line, fill out some paperwork, um, you know, take time out of their uh, work week to go do that yeah. um, and pay extremely high fees and then hope the money gets there uh, in time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, uh, these are great companies, but it's a, and, it, and it definitely works. And uh, you for, you've forgotten there's another way, too. You get some scary guy with a bag to go and drop it off at their door. <laughs> that, that, that's right. There's always right. someone knows someone who's going someplace yeah. and uh, – you know, there's 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 definitely that part of the that part of the equation. Yeah. And what we've done is, um, you know, developed a uh, a mobile app where you know we uh, we're in a highly regulated industry, yeah. um, and uh, you know we uh, uh, allow our uh, customers to download our app, input their information, the receiver's information, enter in uh, sort of what country they want to move money to, and mm. then. You know, um, have all the the, the checks and um, and everything else that goes into moving money cross border done completely behind the scenes. Okay, and cool. money moves uh, instantly. Okay, and, uh, nice. you know, and in a, in a very safe and uh, you know, mm-hmm. um, in an easy way. Okay. And also, it's doing that process helps them save a ton of money compared okay. to alternatives. Very good. And Dan, by the way, if you're wondering what to get me for Christmas, yeah. moving money in my direction would be nice. a thoughtful, nice. a thoughtful gift. Always good. always good. All right, let's get down to business here. So you folks have customers, obviously, all over the world, and um, particularly immigrants or uh, foreign nationals who are living here in the U.S. Um, and I understand that uh, your workforce kind of mirrors that. Is that true? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we're a, uh, you know, we're an impact company, um, you know, here based in Chicago. And, uh, you know, we are in a, you know, we're a for-profit organization. Um, but doing what we do, we're taking a lot of cost and inefficiency 
um, out of the system and really passing on the savings um, to our customers. Our customers are here in the U.S. They happen to spend money to uh, uh, to their friends and family. Um, really, uh, you know, these are remittances versus, say, someone, uh, you know, renting a home in Tuscany. So right. our, our use right. case really is people sending, you know, uh, the, the big countries that we serve are, you know, uh, in Latin America, uh, in Asia. Um, so people, you know, are here in the U.S. Uh, working hard and sending money back home to mom. Um, okay. Help, help ends meet. And yeah, so you know, I think that the um, the the kind of business that we're in, um, you know, uh, we we tend to uh, attract people that you know understand the problem deeply. Okay. Um, and so uh, it just so happens that uh, you know a lot of our you know employees are are customers of ours as well, which is exactly the way you want it. So you know that the product. Your building is actually being used mm-hmm. by uh, by the folks building it. Just okay. leads to a better solution. So one of the things people often talk about uh, when we get to the issue of diversity and inclusion is what's the business case for this? Is this just politics? You know, uh, what is the business case for you guys to worrying about this? It's just a matter of that's just being a core value of ours that that we as a company and our beliefs as a society are are better um, and richer uh, because of different experiences that um, that individuals might bring um, to any discussion that we have mm-hmm. um, and I think it's um, you know a lot of people um, can say that uh, you know diversity is, is important to them but but I think it's 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 sort of how you keep it ingrained in um, you know your uh, you know, hiring practices or how you celebrate various things um, sort of in, in an office environment to make people ha- who have uh, various uh, different backgrounds, um, and that would be, you know, religious uh, preferences, you know, everyone feels included um, through that uh, through that framework that you set up. And I think that's why some companies end up having a, um, end up having a better, you know, uh, diverse population than, than others okay. because it's just part of, as part of who they are. Okay, so you decide you want to do this, uh, and give us some tips on the things that you folks have done. Let's start with recruiting. What do you do differently? And maybe Dan and I will talk about the legal issues here, which are pretty extensive as to what you can't do. Um, right. But what do you guys do in the recruiting side in order to try to get a more diverse, uh, <laughs> a more diverse workforce? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, so I think I think uh, how we, um, if you. You know, if you start with just the, the the job descriptions that 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 we have and the kind of vacation policies that we have, you know, we're not, you know, we allow uh, uh, you know our employees to take uh, many floating holidays, so we're not just celebrating Christmas and Easter, right? So if you want okay. to celebrate Eid, it's, it's it's a big day. Today is the start of Ramadan, the, yep. the um, Holy Festival for Muslims, right? Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll we'll celebrate that. So when you when you say you celebrate that, does it? What do you actually do? You know, so uh, no food, no food for the <laughs> right, no, no food in the office. We would celebrate, you could do we would that. Celebrate, we would celebrate Eid, <laughs> which is like you know at the at the end. Like for instance, you know, we just had uh, a couple months ago was was Diwali, uh, which is a yep. big Indian festival. Yep. And so you know, um, again, it's a festival that, that that you know not many people know of. But for the folks celebrating here in the office. You know, we had Indian food. There were, you know, we showed videos and it was sort of showcased that culture. Oh, no so, kidding. You know, every yeah, month or two, there's right. there's a showcase and, you know, people that, 
you know, associate themselves with a certain, you know, segment of, uh, you know, population or preference, et cetera. You know, it's, it, it's a, it would create that comfortable environment. So we're, we're celebrating, uh, what, you know, could be called differences in, okay. in religion or, okay. or points of view. And, and let's get the nitty gritty here for employers out there. How do you decide which ones to celebrate? Oh, I mean, it's completely, it's completely open. Uh, I mean, we, we create a, it's not that it's, it's company mandated, uh, right? So it's, it's sort of whatever, uh, people want to celebrate our, you know, HR, uh, does a good job of, um, you know, listening. Um, and if someone wants to celebrate something that is important to them, we just make sure that we apply the resources and, uh, ensure that it's, it's celebrated, but we really leave it up to we really leave it up to the people. Um, okay. So, and I, you know, I think it's it's creating that type of environment, and you know, and it's about investment, right? Okay. Uh, I mean, that's the way I look at it. Okay. Uh, you can say you're, uh, you know, you're diverse, but okay, if, if some folks want to, you know, pray a couple of times a day, mm. then it's important for you to have a prayer room. Um, okay. So mm. it's those type of things where okay, you can say yes, let's celebrate, okay. let's celebrate different um, you know religious holidays. But again, if you don't allow people to take floating holidays, yeah, they can't um, do it. Okay, so floating holidays—that's a good idea, right? Because then you can uh, you can pick the holiday that's yours. I want to get back to celebrations a little bit though, um, and uh, let me tell you uh, what today is. And uh, Dan, see if you can guess. Sure. Today is National What Day? And I'm not kidding. Um, this uh, is uh, this National is. Meteorologist Day, obviously. Uh, maybe. That's a very good guess, Dan. But actually, today is National Mimosa Day. Uh, today's a National Mimosa Day. Uh, and mimosa, mimosa lobby must be much more powerful in Congress than yeah. meteorologists. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. No, that was yesterday. No kidding. I'm not. I'm, yeah. This is the, the 17th. I'm sorry. I misread. That was yesterday. Today is National Walnut Day. Well, that's much better. Uh, that's much better. So uh, suppose, uh, suppose, Nishu, I want to have a walnut festival. Can I do that? Uh, um, well, we've, we've... We're uh, having one here, by the way. We, today, it's it's a walnut day here, and yeah, we have I mean, a whole walnut-themed thing going on in the, in the studio. Um, uh, you know, listen, uh, for me, it's, it's at the end of the day, it's a celebration. If someone wants to, we just, it actually was, I think I heard this on NPR about there was like a chocolate chip cookie day that just happened as yeah, well. Yeah, right. um, And mm-hmm. sure, if people want to celebrate chocolate chip cookie day, uh, you know, uh, we'll, we'll make sure that uh, we, uh, you bring it up and if, uh, we'll get some chocolate chip uh, cookies that day. And okay. at the end of the day, it's a okay. celebration, right? I mean, but more, so far, yeah, so, so far this has not been, people haven't abused this is really the point, right? Yeah, but now listen. You, know, you said National Mimosa Day, so someone says, "Okay, mimosas are really, you know, really important to me and to my culture." To yeah, <laughs> to, my, to my culture. Right? So, I mean, there, there have to be some, there have to be some bounds uh, to this. National <laughs> Frat Boy Day and the Bud- yeah. Budweiser is very important to us. Okay, it's possible. So, uh, framework is always helpful. Yeah, let's go back to parental uh, leave. So, tell us what you guys do in parental leave because this one's pretty straightforward, right? It makes it easier for working women to to stay with you. Uh, what do you guys do for parental leave? You know, we, uh, uh, you know, we're in, uh, so we're a four-year-old company, um, and, uh, you know, what we've done is uh, try to be, and we're under 50 employees, and so, of course, there are, you know, uh, guidelines around that. You know, for us, it's, you know, we give uh, um, 12 weeks to uh, um, to parents uh, for, uh, who would like to uh, take parental mm. leave. Okay. And, um, is that pay, paid, paid, paid or unpaid? Paid. paid. 
No kidding. And, okay. and same for, um, you know, for uh, uh, adoption. Okay. Um, and so, you know, and, um, you know, having a, um, having a nursing room, again, is important. I remember when, when we were really young and we just had uh, um, just a few folks um, mm-hmm. at the office. And, uh, you know, even then, just making sure that there is a room available because then you can say, hey, we can, we're trying to make a place friendly for, for moms. Okay. Um, but, uh, hey, you don't have a room. And then, you know, there's other things that we've ingrained in. For instance, um, arranging for happy hours on the same day. Um, is uh, you know is is, is is frowned upon. For instance, mm. today suddenly I said, "Hey, everyone, let's go out for drinks today at five. Yeah. Now, that's difficult uh, yeah. if you have little kids, and for me too, right? So it's difficult for men and women. Yeah. Um, so, and ha- so yeah. So do you happy hours at three? Is that the... <laughs> no? You just, you just have scheduled in advance, so for those wanting to yeah. participate, yeah, yeah, can right. can arrange for okay. childcare. Yeah, uh, folks, let's just uh, bring you up to date as to what we're doing. We're talking about uh, diversity in particular, but diversity and inclusion. We'll get to that part in a minute at Pangea Money Transfer, and with us to talk about this is uh, is Nishu Thakral, who's the CEO and president of the company. Uh, let's see if we could shift here and talk about uh, inclusion. Right. And so when we talk about we often lump those two together, pretty different ideas, though, diversity and inclusion. Um, what does inclusion mean to you folks when when you hear that phrase, that word? You know, it, it's about um, welcoming and being open to um, different. It could be anything, just different points of view that there is not one um sort of standard way of either looking at things or viewing a problem or viewing a, uh, a certain, uh, you know, political argument. Okay. Uh, and so it's about, um, you know, almost celebrating the, 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 the differences and valuing that, uh, um, that, that we're, we're better because of that. Okay. Um, so how do you do as a CEO of a company? And we could generalize this, I suppose, to people who run units within bigger companies. Sure. Uh, what do you do in practice in order to create that kind of context? So, so we can talk about culture is a broader thing that extends beyond you. But practically, what do you do to encourage that kind of environment and that kind of inclusiveness where people can talk about a variety of things, and we don't have one viewpoint on that. What do you do? You know, so so a couple of things you know that we've we've done. Like for instance, you know, uh, politics is a is a is a hot topic, yeah, right. And mm-hmm. um, and with the with the with the way our you know uh, over the last couple of years where uh, people have you know hunkered down on one or the other uh, sort of uh, you know definitions of how they you know define the political views. And and here at Pangea, I mean, you know, there we stick to our values. Okay. Uh, but but you know, I personally, I, I I stay away from you know the 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 definitions of you know all Democrats are one way or all you know Republicans are the other. And so you stick to sort of you know you you peel the onion and say, okay, what are we what are we talking about? Mm-hmm. How, what do we believe? Okay. Um, how do we how, how do we think about immigration, for instance? You can have a point of view on that. But it's a it's a it's quite a it's quite a leap to to go from there and uh, say that you know we are you know pro one party or the other. Yeah, sure. And again, I mean, yeah. and, and and again, I mean that that to me is about you know being inclusive because you can't say that I don't want to be the CEO of a company where you know it's you know it's only you know you got to be on the left or you got to be on the right or only centrists are you know feel comfortable yeah. here. I mean, it is yeah. welcome to all all sorts okay. of points of view. Let me ask Dan on this one. Sure. Um, <clears throat> your advice on uh, just the whole topic of politics in the workplace. 
uh, beyond. I might, I'm going to yeah. guess what it is. Beyond probably what uh, what Nishu is saying, which is don't take sides. Yeah, advice my advice is, is keep your pie hole shut. Yeah, um, I do. Yeah, uh, not when I'm on the air. But well, yeah, that's a problem. It works. You get it off <laughs> next radio, to me. It's a problem. Yeah, <laughs> worked next to me for thirty years and not know what my politics are. I just so, have no no desire to discuss so it. So, if you were in his position, you would say we we really don't want an environment where people even talk about this stuff. That's my preference because I've yeah. seen it create friction and cause differences among coworkers yeah. where they don't need to exist because it's not yeah. like you're advancing any ball other than to make blowhards feel better. Right. But that's just my extreme p- opinion. Yeah. And I think the way you would model that is that you would not talk about it exactly. and you would not engage in conversations where other people are talking about these uh, exactly. about those topics, right? Yeah. Certainly seems like a, a safe uh, thing to do. Uh, Nisha, in terms of running meetings, one of the things that uh, we kind of tell people, if you're running an organization, you're running a meeting, you want to be inclusive, is that you're the person running the meeting, you should be quiet. Um, is, that, is that your view on this? How do you... Yeah, How do you recommend you to know, people that they run meetings if you're I, trying to become you know, inclusive? I think, I think, you know, and I mentioned this often that, you know, through, you know, through career, you go through elementary, middle, high school, you go to college and you start working and there's, you're taught um, so much about, you know, how to communicate and how to talk and how to deliver, you know, coherent senses and how, how to be articulate. And there's, you know, tons of books on that. There's really not much out there, at least that I've come across or experiences where people are taught how to listen. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. so I think number one is just valuing that where you, um, you have to understand sort of what is happening around you before you respond versus reacting. Yep. And second, knowing your influence, right? Which is knowing that, you know, something that, that I say that I, I understand that, you know, I can, I can talk about having a flat open environment here at the company as ways to hierarchy, but I know that, that I suck up, suck up a lot of oxygen. Sure, yeah. And so yeah. you've got to, you've got to let others, you know, let the, let all the facts be known and then, yep. you know, let the discussion happen without you running each one. So that's sort yep. of the guidepost that I try to work yep. with. That sounds good. Uh, well, we should probably let you get back to uh, to making money there. And let me point out an issue before we let you go, something else to celebrate. Tomorrow, if not making this up, is National No Dirty Dishes Day, where <laughs> apparently they are advocating paper plates. Uh, I don't know who comes up with these, but apparently it's absolutely true. Definitely, definitely not environmentalist. No, it's not environmentalist, no. but it's fun for people washing dishes. Nishu, thanks very much for being with absolutely. us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah, our pleasure. Uh, Nishu Thukral is the CEO and president of Pangea Money Transfer, a company that's taking diversity and inclusion uh, seriously. Dan, let's talk for just a couple minutes before we wrap up here about uh, diversity and inclusion and what you can do about this if you're a company. But let's start with the diversity side, which is sure. harder to manage, I think. And let me just give you my um, uh, my uh, empathy for employers on this one. Mm-hmm. That you know, everybody's talking about how you know how important it is to be more diverse. Yep. And then you get down to what you can actually do about it, and it's not that much, right? No, it's not. What can what can well, you do and what can't you do? You've asked me this before. I should really look up the precise standards. I'll just go by memory, having read the case 25 years ago. Yeah. Um, and I'll be going off a case called Johnson versus Santa Clara Transportation Authority or something like that. Mm. A Supreme Court case from 1987. And, and by you, the way, if you're a labor lawyer out there and you want to correct Dan on yeah. this or anything yeah. – 
Uh, here's our number, one eight four four warden That's one eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. If you're listening on Thursday, we're live. You can call us. We'll answer. Yeah. And this is an employment case, uh, presumably slightly different standards than, say, the educational setting or in the awarding of a contract setting. Oh, each is one an, is different. Yes. It's an okay. uh, employment case. And basically, it's under Title VII, uh, which basically says in broad terms, employers shall not discriminate based upon race, sex, et cetera. All the Title VII is Title VII of? Civil Rights Act of 1964. Okay. Okay. It says shall not discriminate. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you discriminate in favor of traditionally disadvantaged groups, what's that called? It's called illegal discrimination. In favor of? In favor of, you can have discrimination, you know, sometimes called reverse discrimination, but we yeah. won't say mm-hmm. reverse. It's illegal mm-hmm. discrimination unless you meet certain um, uh, rather elevated standards. Uh, the elevated standards include that you have a written affirmative action plan. It has to be in writing. Okay. Uh, it can't call for anyone's discharge. Okay. Um, but can you have an affirmative action plan unless somebody makes you do it? Can I just write up an affirmative action plan? Yes. I can. Yes. But it has to be uh, designed to correct either racial discrimination or imbalances in that workplace. Okay. Not in society as a whole, in that workplace. So you have to basically say, we got a problem here and I'm going to put in an affirmative action plan. Does anybody have to approve this or I can just do it? No. no kidding. I just um, okay. In the end, if you're challenged, uh, it might have to be a court approving. And it has mm. to be reasonably tailored to address the racial imbalances. Okay. So you got to have a plan. Yeah. Uh, and, now, and I'll give you an example okay. of improper um, uh, race discrimination. There was a uh, thing in uh, Piscataway, is that New Jersey? Yes. School district mm-hmm. uh, that had to do layoffs. Mm-hmm. And it was going by seniority. And it came down, the, the last person we laid off had been hired on a certain date, but there's two teachers hired on that date. So they let race be the tiebreaker. The they tie laid breaker. off the white yeah. male. Mm-hmm. They retained the non-white male mm-hmm. as a diversity thing. And that was found to be illegal. Yeah. So even as a tiebreaker. Even as a tiebreaker. And that's true in illegal. hiring. That's true in hiring too then, yes. presumably, right? So yes. if you say two candidates are equal, let's yes. weigh diversity, you can't do that. Yes. Yeah. And some would say, well, but a diverse candidate can reach out to a different uh, market segment if they're in sales or something like that. Let me guess. Can't do that either. Can't do that because it's based yeah. on um, customer uh, discrimination. Customer discrimination or See, stereotype yeah. notions as to who can reach out to whom. I'm getting that junior lawyer, labor lawyer. Yes, you badge. are. You yeah. are. I'm working my way up toward Weblos, yes. I think. Yeah, but <laughs> at a minimum, we ought to get a real expert on, but at a minimum, so some people <laughs> falsely think that um, employers are somehow required to have right. racial gender preferences. No, the truth is they're prohibited from doing so except in certain yeah. circumstances. Uh, and so all you really can do is you can do active recruiting, right? Outreach, yes. Outreach. Because right. you're not discriminating against anyone there. Right. You're just um, letting people know there's opportunities out there. Trying to get a more diverse pool of applicants. Exactly. Now, some, one of the things that people are talking about now is trying to ensure a diverse uh, slate of candidates. And that means... Political candidates or job candidates? Job candidates. Okay. So that means, you know, like we want to make sure... So we got applicants out there. We, we've, you know, done our bit trying to get diverse applicants... We got applicants, but then we want to make sure that the short list is diverse, right? On whatever dimension mm-hmm. that we mean. You can't do that either, can you? Probably not. Yeah, whittling it down and then requiring that you have 
50% women, let's say, or 20% minorities or something like that. You can't do that. Yeah, not that I know of. Yeah. So, you know, if you're an employer, it really is tricky um, how to manage this. And, you know, I think in practice, lots of places are probably, probably have been, well, certainly discriminating against protected groups in the past. But I think at the moment, there's probably a non-trivial amount of discrimination in favor of certain groups in certain jobs, particularly jobs that are visible, right? Correct. Um, that wouldn't surprise me at all. And well, wouldn't surprise me. I've heard some CEOs say it um, yeah. in a public setting where you would have thought, where's your lawyer? <laughs> you know, and they just yeah. said, we decided we're going to solve this problem. We're just going to hire women. And they did, apparently. They typically yeah. get away with it, though. Yeah, um, right. Somebody's got to bring an action against this you. this is an right? issue that gives heartburn to a lot of in-house counsel who know the rules. Yeah. And yet they're basically directed to uh, take every step possible to have a diverse workforce. Yeah, right, right, to yeah, kind of just ignore that a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Well, we have something we can't ignore, and that's a break. So we're going to take a break now. We're going to come back in just a couple minutes, and we're going to talk about... Another protected group, um, and these are folks who are get, who are older, uh, the aging population in the U.S., what that means for all of us, what it means for the economy, and what it means in particular for the workplace. We're going to talk about that as soon as we come back. Hang in there. We'll see you in just a minute. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play. 